Hey, before we start this episode, just want to remind you that the Fearless Woman's Guide to Starting a Business is available everywhere that you like to buy books, and you can get it in paperback, Kindle, and even as an audiobook. I'll have links on where you can purchase in the podcast notes. Okay, back onto the show. Welcome to One Broken Mom, a podcast dedicated to raising awareness of mental health, parenting, and self-improvement. I am the host, Ami Quiricone. One Broken Mom is not a family show. It is meant for adults and contains sometimes adult language. The topics I cover can be serious and unsettling to people. However, I do have a sense of humor laced with a little bit of a punk rock attitude. So if you're interested in real talks about real stuff by real people so that we can all get better together, well, then you're in the right place. And so welcome. So admitting failure is not something that most people are comfortable with, but I, on the other hand, have found that I don't really have a problem with any of that. And so it bears mentioning that I applied to speak at the Seattle TEDx event this past uh, that's coming up in this November, and I didn't get invited. Um, but because I'm not planning on waiting for somebody to give me permission to get a message out, I felt like instead of keeping it bottled up, I was going to go ahead and um, use this platform to be able to um, share with what I was going to do because nobody puts baby in a corner. I got my Swayze reference in there. Um, so settle in and get ready to listen to the presentation you won't hear at the TEDx Seattle event. Um, it's called When We May Not Be the Heroes We Dreamed We Were and What's Our Hidden Story That's Powering Us. I am here because I always felt like I was bigger than this world and that I was destined to do something that was going to be heroic and amazing. And yet after a few failed business relationships uh, highlighted with real, genuine, but unsustainable success, I came to believe that my endurance was hindered by always running into certain kinds of people, and in particular, the dreaded narcissist. So I began searching for ways to cure the narcissists around me so that they'd stop getting in my way, because I thought I knew everything there was to know about what was holding me back. Until one day I broke someone's heart. Someone I loved... And I did not just have a romantic relationship with him. He was actually also my business partner. And this was supposed to be the relationship that ended all others. And so I worked really hard at it. And I always knew that when I was speaking my mind or pushing my ideas, I was doing it for him and to make him better and to make us better. And so it wasn't until I lost everything all at the same time, the love of my life and the businesses, that it finally resonated in me that perhaps it was time to reassess everything that I thought I knew. Because a funny thing happens when you're destroyed. You have no choice but to rebuild. So there I was, sitting across from him, with this sincere and aching want to fix the problem we had in front of us. But I could see my arguments weren't working. And so I sat there for a moment and I said in my head, what if I listen now and instead of fighting back, consider that everything he is saying is absolutely true. What does the situation look like now? And as each criticism he had of me was volleyed back in my direction, instead of batting them down with my arguments, I remained quiet and I let each ball hit me and land. And when he was done, I went home and I calmly reassessed what I'd heard to see which comments were true and which ones completely missed the mark. And that's when I discovered that it was possible that I wasn't the hero I thought I was because the narcissist I needed to fear was me. 
And through the painful trips we took together, revisiting over and over again the reasons our relationship was poisoning us, I slowly started to change. Not at first, not even during the 10th conversation, which felt like the 100th conversation. It came in short bursts, like clumps of dirt falling away from different parts of the same dirty window, letting a little daylight through each time. I began to see that I am devoted to helping people, and yet I'm also capable of being extremely selfish and insensitive at times. And while I hold gracious space for different ideas and opinions so that problems can't actually be solved, I'd also been stubbornly aggressive at pushing my own agenda. And I live by the moral code that holds honesty and directness in high regard, and yet too many, many times I acted with subversion and passive aggression. I moved people, inspired them, nurtured them, I led them. But I also pushed them, coerced them, persuaded them to go to places that were not necessarily in their best interest, but in what I thought was their best interest. My nature to lead, my love of purpose, my passion to be a change agent in people's lives has been powerful and positive. But it had also been my greatest weakness. It had formed in a me-sized blind spot that not only filtered my view of myself, but also my view of the others around me. And that's why I figured that what I had to share on this episode wasn't just any old self-help psychobabble for when I am not a therapist. I just felt that today I have a special message for special people, superheroes, mentors, gurus, leaders, people fueled by a passion for helping others. And as a result, who we look up to and expect actions of just fearless altruism. People we regard as perfect because we recognize our own imperfections and we want them to show us the path, show us it's possible. People we admire and love. The same people that if they fail or really when they fail, break our hearts in unspeakable ways and shake our confidence in them as well as in ourselves for trusting them. And so the dilemma is that heroes know you feel that way about them, and it's also how they see themselves. This self-view makes them incapable of perceiving their own errors right away. Why, when confronted, they apply thin apologies laced with defensive excuses, and then you hate them even more for not just what they did, but that they seem to be shirking their responsibility. And they're no longer our heroes in our lives, but instead plucked away from their pedestal and thrown away in disgrace. And so how is it that I came to this point in my life where I wanted to share this with you? It's because while I didn't break any laws of man, I am guilty of breaking spirits, including my own. And I had never meant to, nor did I realize I had for quite some time. And so I felt that others like me, who really do care about other people, would want to know if they were doing the same thing. Therefore, I decided that the best thing to do would be to confess my sins and walk you through how I came to the realization that I had committed them in the first place. And because we are all unintentionally corrupted in our brains by our commitment to do good, I felt it's important to help you understand what our brains do when it comes to protecting our self-identity that makes it challenging for recognizing our own faults and mistakes. And I also felt like you can't talk about the tremendous influence of heroic personalities without touching on that intricate balance that is required between dominating confidence and the dark side of ego, control, and authority. 
And I feel that knowing where that line of intrepid audacity to believe that you have something important to share creeps into those shadows of self-righteousness and the unrelenting expectation of complete obedience. I want to show you how to develop greater self-awareness so that you can undo the bad habits you may have created and to move forward with a mastery of your emotions and your actions. So this episode is for those of you who wear a cape, who are daring, courageous, willful, independent, and full of confidence. This is for those of you who demand a lot from yourself and the people around you, those who are leaders, those of you who are no less than passionate about your work, ideas, and your personal relationships, those of you who fall but always rise again. But more importantly, this is for those of you still searching in earnest for success you can't seem to find because you thought other people were holding you back. This episode is not for the faint of heart. This is not for victims of their circumstances, and I'm not going to provide you a handbook full of excuses. This episode is only for superheroes. What was working against me my whole life up until that heartbreaking afternoon was my brain and its primitive tendencies to protect me from everything, including the truth. See, what happens is that as our brains develop during childhood, all of our experiences are stored into scripts or schemas in our memories. And the collection of these scripts help us form not only our identity, but also the basis for how our brain perceives future settings. And that, in turn, lets the brain quickly assess a situation and provide an immediate automatic response. And in the case of life-threatening situations, I think we can agree that we're pretty grateful that we don't have to think every time we encounter danger, or else it's likely we'd be killed. But in our modern life, we don't think about life and death as often. And unfortunately, um, what we breed into our brains are other threats, trauma, abandonment, neglect, and those still become a script for the brain to follow later in life. And so where schemas are the shortcuts the brain uses to help us respond as you need to, cognitive dissonance is the part of the brain that tells you, hey, this person is saying something about us that we don't believe it's true. Don't worry, I got this. And your brain accesses these scripts that serve to protect the self-identity that you have. And it puts the words into your mouth that allows you to defend your actions without even thinking about it sometimes. But it's also why two people can look at one situation and see two completely different sides, because they each have their own scripts and self-identities that they are protecting. Cognitive dissonance with the misguided belief that all narcissists are uncaring evildoers is why some people never realize that they are their own worst enemy especially many people like you in this room or listening to this episode, the superheroes, the ones who are here to learn about filling tall orders. And so I'm here to tell you that what you know about narcissism is probably not entirely true. For one, you may not be aware that not all narcissists are grandstanders who suck the air out of the room and have double-jointed shoulders so that they can pat themselves on the back all the time. In fact, some narcissists are covert. They're subtle. They're introverted. And these are the kind that many superheroes actually are. They are fueled by approval that they receive from helping other people, not hurting them. Narcissism, psychologically speaking, originally meant vanity. But then in the early 1900s, thanks to Freud, it expanded to be a natural part of the human psyche, rooted in our brains and as a part of our self-protective modes. But whether narcissism is a force for good or evil, that's been debated in psychology for well over 100 years. The definition that persists today in pop psychology is the provocative idea that narcissists are untreatable, callous, and egomaniacal. And why is that? 
Well, I think it's because articles about narcissism that get your hackles all up and reinforces your feelings you have about your asshole ex-boss or your coworker or your boyfriend gets you to share that article over and over again, which in the digital world means money. But therapists realize that narcissism is actually far more complex than what a three-minute article or even a 15-minute speech can actually touch on. In fact, Dr. Craig Malcolm from Harvard University didn't feel that the dark view of narcissism fit reality. And so he developed something called the narcissism spectrum model. This led to a deeper understanding of how narcissism and narcissistic behavior can change over time and during certain experiences, because stress makes narcissists of us all. The spectrum also didn't change this base idea that a narcissistic person has a need to be recognized and acknowledged for their actions, but it does allow us to see that the gas bag who can't stop talking about themselves and the person who loves being regarded as the queen of volunteering are in fact both narcissists. Further, the spectrum assessment helps you understand that when a narcissist manipulates another person in order to receive the positive affirmation that they need, there isn't always a ruined victim left behind. In fact, some narcissists might actually make other people feel good or better about themselves. But despite the debates over its exact origin or ultimate purpose in our lives, the urging to move along the spectrum towards extreme narcissism is accepted to be the result of negative childhood experiences and not the result of being loved too much by parents or given too many participation awards, which is another fallacy that perpetuates social media today. Children need their parents to help them form a robust self-identity and a sense of security. And if supplied in a caring, loving environment, children do form a capacity to dream big dreams, to go after tall orders, and to be shouldered with healthy levels of confidence to achieve them without a need to be manipulative. This is healthy narcissism, and this is good for society. Unhealthy narcissism, on the other hand, arises out of a lack and evolves when there's emotional neglect, abuse, or trauma that leaves a child feeling alone, unseen, or unheard. Because security is necessary for emotional development, the child will naturally seek this recognition in any way they can from other surrogates. And now you have the possibility of a child becoming an adult with the same compulsion to constantly seek approval from other people. Unhealthy narcissism only becomes pathological when a person's need to feel special consumes them to the point of cutting them off from the real world by forming insincere relationships with others with the only intent of using them for self-gratification. And this form of narcissism is actually extremely rare, despite what blogs say. Now, despite recognizing that I was a functioning narcissist, I was still missing something important. Because in my own misguided grandiosity, not surprisingly, I believed as many people do, that your past has no bearing on you and your actions today as an adult. Just forget them and just move on. And I was right, but kind of. Until one morning when I was reading about schemas and something happened, I read two words that changed me, childlike and powerless. And I was literally stunned. I stopped reading immediately because at that very moment, those two words pushed forward one memory I had put behind me, a memory so painful that 40 years later, it could still bring tears to my eyes. But I had truly believed it had no connections to anything I was doing today as an adult, because that was then and this is now. But I was wrong. And it was finally apparent that morning that it was the beginning of understanding everything. I was sitting on my couch and feeling overwhelming grief for this little girl, me 
who I now saw had been profoundly changed in an instant, and not just changed, but she was broken. And then as a result, over the course of her life, would be molded and shaped into the woman I am today. Moments later, it was like the pins in the lock of a safe all started to work. Once the combination was put in, everything lined up, and my life marched before my eyes, and now I began to understand not only what my real story was, but how it had been written, and I finally now knew how I needed to change it. Now, here's a final misunderstanding I want to clear up. People think narcissism works like a magnet, that only opposites attract to each other. But if we're going to apply the laws of physics to psychology, it's better to think of narcissism and its power more like gravity. It is the pull towards a bigger object, an idea, a vision that draws people towards it. And the bigger the vision, the taller the order, the greater the likelihood that it has attracted more than one narcissist to it. And one of them could be you. My own success was never sustainable because I would learn in the last year that I was not the hero I dreamed I was because of my hidden story inside me. My real story, my power that motivated me in so many ways to seek challenges and to solve them no matter what they were, while altruistic, was always grounded in needing to prove myself, to be seen, to be heard. And this drive brought out the best in me as well as the worst. And that's why I wanted you to listen to me here. Because there is a slippery slope along this spectrum of narcissism that people like us, the ones that have fire in our souls and ice in our veins who love to go after big ideas and fill tall orders, can fall victim to if we don't know who we really are. Narcissism influences your abilities to accept failure, which is great for building resilience, but terrible when it comes to accepting responsibility for your actions. And if you're secretly propelled by the idea of proving yourself to the world, the reality is, is that gratification when you receive it is never going to be enough and you'll need more. And so your tall order might not be tall enough and you can unintentionally sabotage it by building it bigger and better and pushing the horizon out further and further beyond what you may be presently capable of actually reaching. Or the success will go to your head and instead of repeating the steps that got you where you are, you start to become controlling and egotistical. Or the next tall order will look more appealing and you'll abandon what you're doing now, move on, leaving whatever success you had to wither before it could ever really come to full bloom. But some of you might actually have to come to terms with the fact that you may not be what you thought, that you might be masters of influence, but not on follow through, and that you've been getting your gratification and your narcissistic fixes by leveraging your charisma to inspire other people to follow you on your quest of conquering tall orders when you really don't even want to do the work that's involved. Now, while I am a person who does not believe that I have zero control over my own life and then I'm instead at the whim of some omniscient force, I do, however, hold space for miracles. And one in particular was the fact that at some point in my life, I was compelled to journal and a document as a child some of the most important times for me in my personal and emotional development. And what this meant was that as I dissected my past to find the root causes of my adult behavior— I did not have to rely solely on my recollection of what happened. I could literally read, like a newspaper article, exactly what happened and how I felt in the words of the child I was at that time. But the real miracle was not that I chronicled everything, but that in the course of 30 plus years, they were all saved and available to me to be able to read again. And to me, this was a sign that the universe knew all along, I'd need the roadmap to find my way back and conspired to make it so. 
And I began to see in clear form the origins of my narcissistic personality and behaviors, and everything became less anxious. But then, as it's expected, when you pull the thread on a knit sweater, everything started to fall apart, and I began to doubt who I really was. Had I developed a figment of my imagination, a superhero that did not actually exist at all? Was this experience and my belief that I had something really important to do in this world real, or was it merely compensation for emotional neglect and feelings of abandonment? Is it possible that I'm not the hero I dreamed I was? And that's when life slowed down, and I spent some time thinking, really thinking. And I decided that I needed to let up on my demanding schedules and deadlines and let myself take this journey through every step I was guided to do. But I couldn't shake the feeling that I didn't want to lose my belief that deep in the core of who I am. And so that I decided, no matter what, I refuse to accept the fact that I don't have something important to do for this world. Instead, I would start to bring balance to my life and undo the bad habits and the responses that I had developed in my brain as a child, but I would never lose my passion to do something of purpose, which is why I'm doing this here today. Nothing amazing ever happened by committee. Big dreams start as sparks in one person's mind who has the audacity to think that they were meant for bigger things. Narcissistic? Yes, it is. And I'm okay with that. And now, if we were at TED, there'd be a standing ovation and everybody would be applauding that, <laughs> that whole presentation. <laughs> but we're not. So we'll just, you know, maybe include some fake stuff here. Um, in all seriousness, though, according to therapists, a true narcissist would never even actually acknowledge that they are a narcissist. And so if you listen to this and you went, oh, shit, this might be me. Congratulations on your self-awareness. Um, and now you know where all the landmines are in your life. But don't go into despair that you now have like developed a mental problem. Um, what I really wanted for people to realize is that acting narcissistically, whether it's for good or evil, is born out of the same spoiled ground. And because of that, there's a tendency to let your dark side slip out and have it undermine your best intentions. And so behaving narcissistically and being a narcissist are definitely two different things, but they live on the same side of the same coin. And so you just need to be careful. One Broken Mom was recorded at Beehive Sound in Snohomish, Washington. And I want to thank the audio guru, Sean Walker. And my dazzling videographer standing here in the corner helped to create a video of this episode, Ashley Peterson with Ashley L Productions. If you are interested in sponsoring One Broken Mom, please contact me through my website at amiqueercony.com. The link is posted in the podcast description. And also, if you have ideas for guests, topics, or questions, I would love to hear from you. Until then, have an amazing day and thank you for listening.